Uh, playoffs? Don't talk about it. Playoffs? You kidding me? Playoffs? Ladies and gentlemen, what is up? Coming to you from the Costa Nostra studios, I'm Matty Buller, and thank you for tuning in to Almost Wise Guys. It's freaking playoff time. In this episode, we're going to cover the regular weekly picks, uh, get to Maddie and Andy's total tease, and also your news of the week. But first, with me as always, my main guy down at Almost Wise Guys Central, it's Andy, the prognosticator. Attridge, what's happening, buddy? Well, happy new year, Maddie. We're into a new decade. Yes, so happy new year to you too, my friend. A, f- a fruitious one, and in the past week, my team secured the number one seed, the NFC, which was always uh, nice to have. They made that so, a lot closer. Get off. They made that a lot closer than it had to be. Yeah, like by an inch. Um, <laughs> by an inch, and if I'm Marshawn Lynch, I don't know how I would sleep at night. Um, that, yeah, that that one play that uh, delay a game penalty or the too many men on the field penalty, whatever it was. And you know, how is a how is a veteran quarterback like Russell Wilson? I know they, the story is that they didn't have the right personnel on the field and what have you. They were trying to get Lynch on. But, I mean, at a certain point as quarterback, you got to be like, this is the end of the game. You guys line the hell up so we can run this play. Right? Yeah, but when you're, when you're picking guys off their couch and sending them to the training facility on a Tuesday, how much continuity are you really going to get? Yep. But it, I'd still put that on the quarterback. That, that The quarterback's got to get that playoff with or without the right personnel on the field. He's, I mean, at that point, point in the game, you got one yard to go. One yard. Was, it not reminiscent, was that not reminiscent of the Super Bowl? Oh, it right? totally was. <laughs> on the one yard line, and they're like debating, well, should we give it to the beast or should we let uh, Russell Wilson throw this thing? When you're coming to the end of the game like that, you don't have the right personnel. Like you're waiting for Lynch, but the clock's ticking. If you're Russell Wilson, you try to run the quarterback sneak. You you do the goose and go, right? Yeah, for sure. I I, I have to put that on him, and that costs them that seating. And now they got to play this week. Yeah, they have to play across country this week. And they they're very depleted injury wise. They could have used that oh they they, they could have they could have used the buy probably more than any other team in the playoffs based on the recent injury report so yeah they um they crapped a bet on that one yeah but uh that's a very fortuitous turn for your team the niners who like i i was so impressed with how lights out the niners defense came when they needed the most to try to clinch that spot they looked yeah. amazing now i mean they they kind of one thing i don't like about coaching is you start to look that good, and then you stop calling those crazy blitzes and stuff, and you start sitting back in pass protection too much, and that lets a guy like Russell Wilson come back. Like, well, I don't, up, I wouldn't put that on Robert Saleh for not being aggressive enough, but um, I don't know. It seemed like once yeah, once it was midway through the the third quarter, they started calling much more full pass protection zones and and stuff like that where. Uh, they were they were rushing four, and I know the the Forty ers have a good four man rush, but when they were rushing five and the six best four man rush, yes. But when they were rushing five or six that game, they were getting to Russell Wilson, and he wasn't able to complete passes. As soon as they started to sit back, that's when Wilson made it a game. Well, that's when Wilson became Wilson. Which he always does. Just yeah. you know, if that game was sixty one minutes long. 
would have known what would happen. Um, and so speaking about giving up an opportunity for a first round buy, how about those Patriots? Oh, I, that was, uh, I think that was America's schadenfreude right there. Everybody just had pure joy in watching how angry Tom Brady was that he has to play on a week that he normally gets off. Oh, yeah. They have, well, it's been 10 years. It's been yeah. 10 years since he's not had that week off. That's and like being a veteran, veteran on the sales floor, and then you're being told that you're working Christmas Day. Put that coffee down. Coffee's for closes only. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's been a little while since I've been there. But uh, since we're talking about the Patriots, I just want to give a little shout out to my buddy Tad in the 702, whose birthday it is today. Viva Las Vegas! Viva Las Vegas! Happy birthday, Tad. He's a little bit like us in that, you know, I don't like to use the word degenerate, but he's an impassioned sports gambler. Um, but yes, being a Patriots fan, um, he might not be so happy at the end of the weekend. Anyway, spoiler alert there. But yes, happy birthday, Tad. Yes, happy birthday, Tad. And now for Tad's birthday, let's have quiz time for Andy. Let's see if your friend can get oh this one, Tad. The NFL's top five passers this year are Jameis Winston, Dak Prescott, Jared Goff, Philip Rivers, and Matt Ryan. What do all five of those quarterbacks have in common? The fact that we won't be seeing them again playing this year. That's right. None are in the playoffs. So you got to do more than be able to just chuck up big yardage. Defense still plays a part in the game. Uh, running games. Yes, it does. Running games, as we're seeing this year, have made the difference in places like Tennessee, who are now in the playoffs and have a very well-balanced offense. So, mm -hmm. yeah, it is a passers game, and the league has made the rules such that uh, it definitely favors the passing game. But just because you can chuck it for 500 yards a game does not guarantee that you're going to win or even make the playoffs. Very telling stat. Um, do you have any more trivia questions for me? Oh, maybe a little later on. We'll see how I'm feeling. I'm, I'm ever so smart. Ever so smart. All right, let's get on to our news of the week. think a 45-year-old would know better than to knock a hot object onto his bed. But a grumpy-looking tortoise, currently named Victor, is being blamed for doing that and starting a fire at his human's home in Essex, England. Fire officials there say that the tortoise knocked a heat lamp onto its bedding, which then caught fire. The tortoise was unable to call for help, ostensibly because he's a tortoise. He can't speak. But neighbors heard smoke alarms and called emergency services. Wait a second. On second glance, that's no turtle. It's Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell. And you really can't blame him. It's the first time he's ever had anything hot in his bed, so he was shocked. He didn't know what to do. Teenage fucking old ass turtle. <laughs> Mitch McConnell. Cowards in a half shell. And it's official. Jameis Winston has become the first 30 for 30 quarterback in NFL history. Yes, you heard me correctly. Winston threw 30 touchdowns and 30 INTs this season, and it's the first ever to do it. You know, as I've been saying all year, Jameis Winston is the only quarterback to ever make you think that he's both the best quarterback ever and the worst quarterback ever all in the same game. 
Actually, Matty Winston is the holder of multiple dubious records. He's the NFL career leader in Uber drivers growth, and he holds the NCAA record for most crab legs taken in a single shoplift. It's the end of the year, and NFL management is discussing rookie grades with the media. On that note, Giants general manager David Gettleman was asked about rookie Daniel Jones' performance under center this season. And Gettleman said, we didn't know he'd come that fast. Well, when all you let him throw are rub routes, the guy was bound to come early. I'm afraid I prematurely shot my wad on what was supposed to be a dry run, if you will. So now I'm afraid I have something of a mess on my hands. Sharon Osborne said in a recent interview that during a house fire that started after she and her husband, Ozzy Osborne, accidentally left a candle burning. She forced a former assistant to go back into the blaze to recover precious artwork. She also said that once paramedics arrived, she proceeded to rip the staffer's oxygen mask off his face and give it to her dog instead. But despite taking on the daring task of entering the burning home, the former assistant was fired. Uh, That was uh, according to the BBC. Why? Because the staffer didn't laugh at the incident. Somebody should tell Sharon the pictures of Ozzy biting the head off a bat and pissing on the Alamo does not constitute what the rest of the world considers quote-unquote art. Although, we do have audio of the Prince of Darkness himself discussing the incident. No, no, yeah, yeah. I, I never, uh, I, 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 And finally, according to Pro Football Talk, the NFL has found no link between the Patriots' football operations and the video crew that was working for crap productions when they were caught filming the Bengal sideline. Obviously, they must have used the same crack investigative squad that looked into Robert Kraft's spa treatment. You know, Maddie, I wonder if Coach Belichick has handled any balls during this practice week. I've handled dozens of balls over the past week. Alrighty then. All right, let's fire it up. It's time for the weekly picks. Well, it's playoff time. That means uh, we got double headers on Saturday and Sunday. Uh, Saturday, we have Buffalo at Houston going off first. And uh, Houston at home, they're two and a half point favorites over under of 43 and a half. And uh, well, what do you think about this, Andy? Well, it just dawned on me that the last time these two teams faced off in the playoffs, it was the Houston Oilers against the Frank Wright led Buffalo Bills. And oh, he overcame yes. the biggest deficit in, in NFL postseason history, coming back from a 35 to 3 deficit. So. Different t- different outfits, different logos for one team, and uh, certainly different look uh, for the Buffalo Bills here than they had the K-Gun before in the late 80s and early 90s. Yeah, now they're doing gosh, it with Buffalo, defense. They're doing it with defense and a decent running game. Yeah. And you know what? They're six one-on-one against the split, uh, in road games this year. And Houston... <laughs> You know, they they haven't looked the best. Um, I'm just going to do a couple of comparative stats between the two teams. Bills are allowing fewer than 16 points a game. And they're second only to the Patriots in total yards allowed per game. 
They're also fourth in the league in passing yards allowed. Now, by comparison, Houston is 29th in the league, allowing just over 267 yards per game through the air. And if you simply look at defensive pass yards allowed per attempt, Buffalo's third in the league at 5.6. The Texans, 24th in the league at 7.3. I, um, if, if you just simply look at the statistics between these two teams, and I'm going to give you a couple more in a second. Um, let's forget about the laundry or what the logos look like or what our impressions are of each of these teams. But opposing offenses converted. 48.5% of third downs against Houston's defense, which is the second highest rate in the NFL. Opposing offenses converted almost 72% of their red zone trips into touchdowns against the Texans this year. And as you may have guessed, Houston's defense ranks dead last in that particular metric. And I don't know. What are your thoughts on this game? Um, th this line opened at minus 3.5 and, and then ticked down to through the 3 and now at minus 2.5. Well, it did that because, like you, I've done work on the metrics, and it, Buffalo comes out on top a lot in the things yeah. that make playoffs count, which are running and defense, right? All the best teams can rush on you if they need to, and they have good, solid defenses. I mean, the rushing offense for Buffalo, let's look at it. They uh, This year, they averaged uh, 128.4 yards per game. That's good enough to be eighth in the NFL. They average 4.4 yards a carry. Uh, Devin Singletary, he averages 5.1 yards a carry, which is, uh, he's had such a stellar season. Uh, Josh Allen, he adds to the rushing game, over 500 yards rushing, nine rushing touchdowns. That's more than even Lamar Jackson. And 4.7. Really? Yeah, yeah, really. And 4.7 yards per carry. I mean, Houston's rush defense, 25th in yards per game allowed. 27th in yards per uh, per completion allowed and uh, 26th in quarterback rush yards. All of Houston. Well, I think you, yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head there with Buffalo's Josh Allen. Yeah, of course. Because it, he, looks, it looks like. Not, he, oh, sorry. Go he's ahead. He's not saving himself for next week. I'm just saying no. he's not saving himself for next week. He's not going to, you know, try to hide in a pocket and wait for someone else to do the work. He'll get you a few first downs with his legs, right? And. If they keep moving the chains and they keep that defense of Houston uh, on the field, they're not going to last too long. Now, apparently, J.J. Watt is um, predicted to start the game, but how healthy is he going to be? Yeah. Yeah. He's banged up just over a career. That guy's had almost like a season-ending uh, injury almost every season he plays. He's like with the most snake-bitten guy in the NFL. You got to wonder, this past injury plus injuries prior – how much they affect him on his comeback, right? Like you're not yeah. getting any younger. So yeah, but you know, they really need their help because they do not have a very good uh, pass rush right now. And uh, they've only, they're 26 in the, in the league in sacks and 31st in quarterback pressures. Well, let, let's flip the coin in ter terms of talking about quarterback pressures. What have we said all, all season about the Texans offense? Probably have won the game and had a pretty good day if um, Deshaun Watson has a clean jersey at the end of it. And for some reason, I don't see him having a clean jersey at the end of this. Not, I, with, I think, that, not um, with that Bills defense. Buffalo's just coming down his throat. Training with your uh, trainer on your own and on Instagram is not, you know, the same as Von Miller coming down your throat. No, and I don't even think that they need to blitz a lot. 
But I don't think that they, much like the 49ers, I don't think that they need to blitz a whole hell of a lot. They just can get a lot of pressure with that front four. And, you know, uh, those defensive backs that they have, you just can't go over the top with those guys. Um, they don't give up that much yardage. So, yeah, I, everything points to Buffalo doing really well here. And, you know, I know it's a low spread, but I would consider take them on the money line. Um, now, that's, that's your account, Natty. Yeah, you know what? I don't mind this uh, as a money line pick at all. I mean, it's only two and a half points. So, and I agree with you. Buff, all the metrics seem to favor Buffalo here. Uh, I also love to give a shout out to uh, corner uh, Tredavious White, Buffalo. Dude's had a stellar yeah. year 58 tackles, six picks, and 17 passes defended. He's a big reason why that Bills defense is so good against the pass. I mean, if, if, Houston wants to win this game. They got to do it on the rush, but I don't know if they got the rushing game to do it. And Buffalo, even though they're amazing against the pass, they're still very serviceable against the rush. So I'm with you, buddy. I'm I'm saying uh, go Bills. Go Bills. Hey, hey, let's go. New England Patriots. New England. Long to New England, where they're going to host their first wild card game since 2009. Uh, and they are five point favorites over the visiting Tennessee Titans. Over under on this is uh, 44. I like the over on this one, man. Uh, and also, here's a quick hint this is your money line Maddie pick. Wow. What are the New England Patriots paying on the money line about minus one eighty? they yeah, they are, I believe. Let me get that one second here. I'm gonna double check that. I'm messing with you, Maddie. I know you're not taking the pets. No, I'm definitely well, not taking oh, the Oh pets. my gosh, no, it's minus two twenty five. Yeah. Yeah, I've got minus uh, two twenty five. Yeah. My the Tennessee Titans are my pick. Uh, they're plus 183 if you want to take them on the money line. And I just think they're so well balanced. They're going to keep New England's defense kind of on their heels. You've got Ryan Tannehill, who's had like a ridiculously good year. 22 touchdowns, six picks, uh, 117 and a half rating. He's first actually in the NFL in quarterback rating in yards per attempt and yards per completion which is absolutely amazing. Add to that Derrick Henry and the rushing attack. Henry, 1,540 yards. That's uh, enough to get him the rushing crown this year. Uh, he's also a 16. And he missed one game. And he missed one and game. he missed a game, yeah. Uh, he also has 16 rushing touchdowns. That's first in the NFL. And uh, averaging 5.1 yards a carry. I mean, the Titans are 6-0 and when Henry rushes for more than 100 yards. So there's no secret to this for how uh, Vrabel is going to want to go in there and he's going to want to set the tone by rushing the football, giving Tannehill some nice looks and keeping New England's defense kind of non-committal because they can do either or and they do it well. Well, let, let me just buttress your point about Ryan Tannehill. Not only did he have the highest quarterback rating in the league at 117 and a half, but he completed more than 70% of his passes and averaged at the same time over nine yards per attempt. That's happened twice in the history of the NFL. The first guy to do it 
Sammy Baugh. Second guy to do Sammy it. Sammy Baugh. Joe Montana. Wow. So he's in pretty good company there. He's hanging out with the right crowd. Yeah, yeah, he is. And, and yeah, in terms of rushing yards per game, the third in the league with a buck 39, whereas New England is 18th with a buck 06. Yep. And right now, um, of all the teams in the playoffs, Tennessee has the best yards per play in, in anyone playing this weekend at 6.1. And the converse to that is the fact that New England has the worst average of all teams playing this weekend at 5.2 in the same category. And yards per play is a pretty basic metric. It doesn't get any more basic than that at all, really. Um, and yes, we know what Brady and Belichick's record is at home, especially in the playoffs, yada, yada, yada. But come on, man. If you think the last quarter of the past season, you know, they're doing trick plays to get the ball in the end zone. I think Edelman has more touchdown passes than uh, Brady does in the month of December. Man, it last um, week was it, a must-win game for them. That was must-win against a, a yeah. Dolphins team that coming into the season, everybody was like, they're tanking. And they couldn't – the Dolphins ran roughshod over them last, last week when it came to their passing offense. Uh, they couldn't stop it. And, I mean, Ryan no, Tannehill – no, I was just going to say, what does Belichick do better than any other coach? Handle balls. He'll shut down your best weapon. Well, yep. The way New England's going to want to beat uh, Tennessee is they're going to want to ru- rush the ball. New England's got a much better rushing game than they do passing game, as Edelman's really their only serviceable receiver. But the Titans' D is tough versus the run. Uh, they're holding the average defense to four yards per carry. That's seventh in the NFL. And only 104 yards per game allowed total rushing. That's 12. They're, they're pretty tough against the run, right? And I mean, they're, they're also tied for 10th in the league in takeaways and 13th in sacks. That sets up for a tough day for Brady. Uh, they play a pretty tough brand of defense there. And I mean, New England, I just, I've seen nothing but a regression this year. Uh, no, absolutely not. I, I mean, if you were to make an argument, uh, in favor of the Patriots, you know, as, as we just as we just alluded to, they shut down your biggest weapon, which to me right now it would be uh, Travis Henry. So you put eight guys in the box, and then you put uh, Stephon Gilmore on, well, let's just call it AJ Brown. Okay, so you're now you're now able to stop two of their top weapons, but. You know, they still got a serviceable tight end game. Um, Tennessee does. And, you know, Stephon Gilmore, he's had a great year. But last week, uh, Miami had their best receiver on him. And uh, he he torched Gilmore for uh, a ridiculous amount of yards. And, I mean, New England's whole pass defense uh, against the Miami Dolphins was absolutely atrocious. They allowed 320 yards. Uh, Devontae Parker, that's it. He had eight, eight, eight Devontae catches. Parker, yeah. Yeah, he had eight catches, 137 yards, 17.1 yards per catch. So that also Torched shows them. you that... Torched yeah, them. That shows you that Tennessee can stretch the field and that Gilmore can be beaten. I just think that there's more weapons with Tennessee than in New England. The weather isn't going to be that bad. 
And well, it's going to be above freezing, but yeah, it's it's just a normal game. Yeah, but for New uh, England, no snow, no sleet, you know, no, no really frigid temperatures. That's actually one of the best games you're going to get to play in New England in January. So uh, I, I I I give the nod to Tennessee here. If you want to take them with five points or four and a half, depending on where what you buy buy them at, uh, I say take them. But I, I'm a big money line uh, favorite for the Tennessee Titans this week to roll into New England and upset Belichick and Brady. Yeah, I you know what I'm going to take the points and put them in my pocket. And here's the reason: um, we can compare their offenses and defenses all day long, but I'm going to suggest that. Belichick is going to drop some better special teams plays uh, than Vrabel will. So, coaching I think they have the edge there, especially makes a difference. Coaching makes a difference. I'm and coaching makes makes that. a difference, and it's you know obviously special teams is the ignored part of the game. But how many big special teams plays has New England had this year? Quite a few. Yeah, and you know all you need is all you need is one, and that can even up the score pretty quickly. But I think yeah, on uh, on the defense and offensive side of the balls, I think Tennessee. Titans have the edge, so I'm absolutely going to take those points. Put them in my back pocket. Hope that they come out with a W. Yeah, Brady. He's awesome. I can't believe Giselle gets to sleep with him. When the Saints come marching in, when the Saints come marching in, I wanna be in that number. On to Sunday afternoon, where the New Orleans Saints are at home against the visiting Minnesota Vikings. Uh, the Saints, seven and a half point favorites with an over under of 49 and a half. And I mean, why not be seven and a half point favorites when the Superdome is one of the best home field advantages in sports? And the Saints have Drew Brees, who once again, they always talk about Tom Brady being an ageless wonder. How about Brees? This season, 27 touchdowns, four interceptions. By the way, he missed a bunch of games. Missed like a quarter of the season. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. 27 yeah. touchdowns, four picks, 116.3 rating, 74.3 completion percentage. That's the best in the NFL. And over the last six games, he's had a, more than 110 quarterback rating on each game. I would that say is, that's, I'm going to guess it's 74%. Over 70% completion is probably the one of the top ever. I, I would top. fully agree. It's got to be in the top three, top five for sure, especially with his amount um, of attempts. So I, I'm, you know, and to add to that, he's got Michael Thomas now who passed Marvin Harrison last week, uh, 149 receptions. That's an NFL single season record. Add to that the 1,725 yards and nine touchdowns he's got. He is obviously Drew Brees' favorite target, and why not? You throw that thing anything anywhere within five yards of Michael Thomas, and he's going to catch it. And he doesn't drop it. And, and we've got this other guy. What's his name? Oh, Kamara. Right. Yeah, he's pretty good, too, I heard. He's a new-age um, Marshall Falk. They've got Falk, a lot of weapons. He's that new-age Marshall Falk. He can pound it between the tackles, but he can also go out on a pass route and, and get some excellent yards oh, after yeah. the catch. yeah. I mean Minnesota they've they've got their their work cut out for them here. I mean going into New Orleans is really tough and I mean they're going to want to try to establish the run and Dalvin Cook why not? Uh he played amazing this year. However, I found this stat mm -hmm. and it's very interesting after injury, so since week 8, uh Dalvin Cook has yet to hit 4 plus yards per carry in a game. Really? 
Yeah. That is interesting. You know, and New Orleans rushing D did not allow a single player to reach 100 yards this season. So they didn't allow a 100-yard rusher. I mean, that's when you talk about the Minnesota Vikings and their offense, you start with Dalvin Cook because it certainly isn't Kirk Cousins, right? And let's, you know, if we compare side to side, let's say Dalvin Cook and Alvin Kamara are pretty similar, okay? They cancel each other out. You bet. Let's look at the quarterbacks. Drew Brees in prime time, I'm taking him over a Kirk Cousins any week. And from a coaching standpoint, and it's no slight against him, but, you know, you, you go on a road in a hostile place like the Big Easy. Ooh, boy. With Sean um, Payton. Ch- that's a guy That's a guy that's not afraid yeah, to, in his first Super Bowl, kick an onside kick at the beginning of the half. Side kick to start the second half. Right? Yeah. Like that, yeah, you know, this guy that. has got balls made of granite. That's why he's not a fighter. He couldn't yeah. weigh in. He'd have to fight heavyweight. <laughs> Uh, no, uh, no I significant mean, injuries on either side. I will right? say this: you got I will say this in, in defense of Minnesota. They've played very well away from home yeah. this year. They've had a great uh, away record. Uh, Stephon Diggs is an excellent uh, receiver. He's no uh, Michael Thomas. Uh, sixty-three receptions to one hundred and forty-nine isn't really, <laughs> but I mean sixteen hundred and fifty-four scrimmage yard, or pardon me. Uh, uh, 1,130 yards uh, catching in six touchdowns is nothing to sneeze at. So, I mean, they've got uh, – they've also got a really good pass protection, too. They allowed just 28 sacks. So, the but they're facing, well, when you talk a, they're about, facing uh, a new when you talk about the receiving, yep. they brought in uh, Stefanski, right, at the beginning of the season. And yep. this guy's a run-first guy. Run-first, run-first, run-first. So the fact that Thielen's actually, no, sorry, they brought him at the end of last season. So the fact that Thielen's uh, productivity has dropped off and the same thing with Diggs, not that much of a surprise, but where are you going to pick it up? Right. I, un- I understand you guys, got, uh, they have guys like Rudolph, uh, tight end. Um, like you're playing a but- New Orleans team that was leading 35 to nothing at the half last week. They can score oh, a lot Christ. of points. They can score a lot of points. And Drew Brees, by the way, second fastest from snap to pass in the NFL. So you don't get a lot of time to rush this guy either. And I mean, Dan Marino like. Yeah. And and New Orleans pass rush, uh, they've got their third in sacks and fifth in quarterback pressures. So I think Kirk Cousins is going to see a lot of action. And we all know as well when Kirk Cousins gets rushed, his quarterback efficiency rating drops. Uh, all the metrics point to New Orleans here, and because they're in the Big Easy, even though it's a little over a touchdown, it's seven with the hook. I'm taking the New Orleans Saints here. Well, I'm going to throw out one stat here, which I think is significant, and the fewest giveaways on offense in the whole league are the New Orleans Saints at 0.5, one half per game. And... That leads the league. In fact, that's less than half of what the Vikings did at 1.2. Okay? Now, on the other side of the coin, the Vikings have covered the spread in five last six games on the road against the Saints. And let's look who the Saints have beat or at least played in the past few games. Last week, they played a Panthers team that couldn't get out of the stadium fast enough. The week before that, they played Tennessee when, uh, when Henry was out of the lineup. And, of course, we remember earlier in December when they gave up 48 points to the 49ers. Yep. Not that there's any shame in that. But, you know, it's not like they 
it's not like they were bulldozing their way into the playoffs. Nope. Um, and I, I think the question here is not necessarily who's going to win the game, because I think we both agree on that. But is it more? Is it worth more than a touchdown? Is it worth more than a touchdown for a team that's going to be going? I think it's going to be a, not only a tight game, but I, I think you're going to see a lot of a lot of aerial action. I can see I can see the score getting a little out of hand, um, but in a shootout like that, which is what I am predicting, um, I think that the Saints come on the uh, on the rough side of that. So I might be cashing in on my wise day card, but even at seven and a half, God, I like the Saints because they're not going to be taking the foot off the pedal here. They're gonna they're just going to go for the go for the jugular and uh, keep the pressure on the whole time. So. I, too, uh, I'll agree with you, and I'm going to go with the Saints in New Orleans. For the final game of Wildcard Weekend, it's Sunday night, and we head to the city of brotherly love, uh, where the Philadelphia Eagles play host to the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, Philadelphia, one and a half point underdogs at home. That's not much of a spread, but it's probably because both these teams, uh, this is the walking wounded bull. Uh, it's a testament to employer health insurance because both of these teams have an injury report that is pretty hefty, eh, Angie? Andy? So the reminiscent of an emergency ward on a full moon, or it's simply just a big mash. In it. But yeah, on both sides, more recently, the Seahawks. And I think, you know, with the guys that they had out last week against the 49ers, it was no surprise who won the game. Um, but Philadelphia has been probably the most injurious team the entire season. And here's a little snack to, to support that. Carson Wentz threw for over 4,000 yards this year. And it's the first time that that's ever been done without the assistance of a 500-plus-yard receiver. So he's had to spread the ball around by necessity. Let me just go through the Seahawks injury report. Quandre Diggs, safety, questionable. Jerron Brown, wide receiver, questionable. Luke Wilson, tight end, questionable. Mikel Kendricks, linebacker, doubtful. Um, Malik Turner, questionable. Dwayne Brown, their offensive tackle, their left offensive tackle, is questionable but i don't expect he's going to be playing at all and then you know on the eagle side of it you got brand guard who's out definitely with a shoulder deshaun hall out with an acl zach Ertz, we don't know what he's going to be doing Miles i don't Sanders, think i don't Johnson, think Jim. i don't think Ertz is going to play i don't think Ertz is no, i don't play. either but you know the list goes on and on so um yeah. miles uh, sanders is a big one too man he led all rookies <clears> in scrimmage yards and that ankle doesn't look like he's good enough to go no, and when you get when you get some of the big guys out, um, like Brandon Brooks and Lane uh, Johnson, makes it tough on Carson. But you know what? I think Carson Wentz right now is playing better than he ever has in the NFL. I think that's that's kind of what Philly fan was expecting, and yeah. now he's healthy for the first time going into the playoffs. So I yeah. think there's a lot to be excited about. I rag I rag on Wentz yeah. a lot. Uh, but I do have to say, with what he's done this year, 
taking a team that had a you know a losing record at the beginning of the year and turning it around and ended up winning the NFC East, albeit not a very good division. But he had no personnel to work with at all, and he just kept getting it done, and he was looking good at the end of games. So I agree with you. The problem is the other side of the field is a guy by the name of Russ Wilson, and that cat <gasps> had <gasps> yeah who never heard of him. James not here. 31 touchdowns, five picks. Like, that is unreal. He's throwing uh, one pick for every six touchdowns he throws, or actually more than six touchdowns. Averaging 256 yards a game, 106.3 rating, uh, and just Seattle's passing offense is uh, fourth in the league in passer rating, sixth in yards per attempt, and eighth in yards per completion. And that's DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. Uh, Metcalf, 900 yards, seven touchdowns. Lockett, 82 catches for 1,057 yards, eight touchdowns. And Eagles' pasty is uh, lower tier. It's at the bottom third, 19th in rating, 19th in yards per game. Uh, it's, you know, and they're 18th in completions to wide receivers, tied for 28th to wide receiver touchdowns and 27th in wide receiver yards. And you got Metcalf and Lockett? Good Lord. Add that to Russell Wilson. I just, this is a really tough road to hoe for Philly. I mean, Dallas Goddard better play out of his head because he's really their only threat. He is, and he will, <laughs> put it bluntly. Um, I just think this is a good spot for the Eagles. I get the impression that you do not. Um, I think with the raucous crowd that they had. So the last time that uh, these two teams, in fact, this is the only game all weekend where the two teams have played each other earlier in the season. And Seattle won that game, I think it was 17-9. Not a terribly great game for either team. I think that uh, Wentz had two INTs and two fumbles lost. And he's not been turning the ball over recently. As I say, his, his play has improved a lot over the last four weeks. And we already know what Russell Wilson's like. We know what he can do. The guy's Superman. But my gosh, I just—that's going to be a hostile environment in Philadelphia. And uh, I know that Seattle's a tough place to play, but my God, they could have—they um, could have benefited from not having to go cross country to play. Not that I think the travel's a, a huge thing because they've been used to that. They've been doing that all November, and it is all night. And it, it's at night, so it's at eight. So yeah, that's it's like at a, night. That's like a four o'clock game for them, which they usually play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there, and uh, Russell Wilson's. Um, record in prime time is unbelievable. He's like Aaron Rodgers. But for some reason, I just think that uh, the Carson Wentz is going to light this thing up like a Christmas tree. And you're going to see special performances from guys that you don't normally hear from. And I think that uh, well, I think you'll this have is the Cinderella to. story. If, well, if, they'll have if, to. If Philadelphia this, wins. This the is the only- Cinderella story of the playoffs. Of course. But I, I, I think the bell tolls midnight here and uh, Cinderella turns back into a pumpkin. I mean, one more stat for you. Seattle, third in takeaways. They had 32 this year. The Eagles, they're ninth in turnovers. They had 23. I mean, you give the an extra couple chances to Russ Wilson and company, and this game can get out of hand quickly. And Philadelphia does not have the tools to get into a track meet. I, I just... They played in Philly last time, and Russ Wilson beat them. I don't see why that's going to change now. I, I, I'm taking the, the Seattle Seahawks uh, to move on, but I think this will be their last win of the playoffs. 
I have visions of Fletcher Cox body slamming Russell Wilson about twice. <laughs> Not <laughs> ragdolling the guy. Um, all right, so we disagree on that one, Louis. We will. All right, this is a little segment we like to call Maddie and Andy's Total Tease. It's where we give you each uh, a total we like for the weekend and a tease for the weekend. And uh, since this is the opening weekend and wildcard weekend, we decided we'd have a little bit more fun with this. We're going to give you guys each a total for Saturday and for Sunday. And we're going to give you a teaser for Saturday and for Sunday. So let's Matt, start it. Maddie, let's call Maddie, let's call a spade a spade here. The reason why we're doing it is because both you and I and our listeners are degenerate gamblers and we need to bet one day at a time. You've got a gambling problem, right? I have a financial problem. Very true, very true, but I thought I would try to be a little more diplomatic. But anyway, let's go to Saturday. Uh what do you like for a total on Saturday, Andy? Well, I don't believe that the Tennessee Titans and uh, the New England Patriots are capable of putting up 44 and a half points. In fact, I don't even know if they're capable of putting up 40. So um, this is going to be more of a chess match and a field position game. I'm going to take the under on that one. And I'm going to go to Buffalo Houston and I'm going to go under 44. I mean, I know Houston can score points, but. I don't think it's going to be a track meet when you've got that Bills defense that's allowing like 159 pass yards a game. So I think it's going to be more of a rushing battle. Uh, the Bills have that lights-out defense, and their offense isn't super high-scoring because it involves a lot of rushing, so a lot of time comes off the clock. So I think uh, under 44 points is definitely a good bet for that. And now for a teaser on Saturday, what do you got, Andy? I've got the Buffalo Bills. We're going to tease them up plus eight and a half, which obviously is a Stanford long teaser going through the key numbers of three and seven. And Tennessee, I'm liking to go through the key numbers of seven and ten, taking them from five to eleven. Yeah, for for the teaser on Saturday, I've I've got to echo Andy. This this is the teaser you got to get down on. I don't think anything else makes sense here. I mean, Buffalo to within eight and a half when they're holding teams to close scores all year long. And Tennessee plus 11, same with New England. They're not outscoring teams by a lot this year. And Tennessee's got a pretty good defense. Uh, if anything, Tennessee could end up going up with the other half and winning by 14 or 17 if it becomes a track meet. So uh, I love Tennessee plus 11. On to Sunday. What do you got for a total you like on Sunday, Andy? Well, as I alluded to earlier, I think the New Orleans-Minnesota uh, game uh, might be decided through the air. And I think this is going to be a, a quite a few points scored. 49 and a half is pretty high for, you know, a game like this on wildcard weekend. But I think they're going to, I think they're going to exceed that by quite a bit. You know, first off, I definitely agree with you. I, I think that this, this over under just considering the two teams and the offenses that they have, I would have looked at this at like a 52 and a half spread. The fact that it's under 50, I think, is a gift for everybody. And uh, I'm going to go to look at uh, the Seattle-Philly game. I'm going to take under 45 and a half. Uh, when these guys met earlier on in week 12 and they were actually healthy, Philly, only, or Philly lost but 17 to 9. So, I mean, that's a far cry from 45 and a half points. Uh, this is a... Uh, 
a playoff game. It's going to be in Philly where it's pretty cold. I think it's not going to be a super high scoring game. Both offenses are so beat up and depleted that whoever wins this game is just going to be lucky to win it. So I'm, I'm taking uh, the under 45 and a half with Seattle Philly. And uh, finally, on Sunday, our teasers. Andy, what's your teaser look like Sunday uh, afternoon? Well, um, we were both pretty solid on New Orleans, although I'm, I was a little iffy on the seven and a half point spread, but you give me New Orleans at minus one and a half. I'm taking that every day of the week at home. Um, and conversely, Philly, why they're a home team dog, not entirely sure, but if, uh, if I can go to six point teaser, I'm going to take them over touchdown to seven and a half. I'm going to do that too. So New Orleans down to one and a half, Philly up to seven and a half. Yeah, so you and I are definitely disagreeing on the way Philly looks. You're definitely buying. I'm selling Philly. So I'm I'm with you on New Orleans. Uh, if you tease them down to minus one and a half at the Superdome, I just, yeah, New Orleans has to win that game. However, I like taking Seattle uh, down to plus four and a half. So they could even lose by a field goal. You still win that bet. And I think as far as Seattle goes with how they can score and their weapons that are still available to them, I, I love it. Seattle uh, plus four and a half. So tease New Orleans down to, pl- to minus one and a half. Seattle down to plus four and a half. He's one of those idiots who believe in analytics. Well, thank you for listening to the wild card weekend edition of Almost Wise Guys. If you like what you heard, make sure you hit the subscribe button on iTunes or SoundCloud, and then you won't miss a show. You can also hit us up on our Facebook fan page for additional content and picks from all playoff games across the NFL. From the Costa Nostra studios, for Andy the Prognosticator Attridge back at Almost Wise Guys Central, I'm Matty Buller. Get out and pick yourself a playoff winner. If you liked our podcast, please share it with a friend. If you hated it, please share it with two enemies. Tune in next week at the same bad time on the same bad channel. Sayonara. Good night, everyone. I love you guys. Took a trip on a bus that I didn't know. Met a girl selling drinks at the disco. That truth comes back when you let it go. Seems complicated because it's really so simple. Walking down Young Street on a Friday.
know what I mean? Yeah, I heard you, man. Yo, check yo. Yeah, it's a conniption. Fit in the microphone. Let I take it higher like a bird on a wire. Retire the fire. I never, cause I'm just moving on up. Choosing to touch the unseen. Craving the clutch. The most inevitable, legible pyromania. Slaying the devil and sending them back to Transylvania. Strangely enough, I evolved outside of the ghetto. But my heavy metal will settle the puppets like a pedal. Damn, if mirrors were created by sand, then I'm looking in the water for reflections of man. Understand the minds above time when it's MP, MC. Tragically hip ahead by a century. No time to get down, cause I'm moving up. No time to get down, cause I'm moving up. No time to get down, cause I'm moving up. Shake off the crabs in the bucket. No time to get down, cause I'm moving up. No time to get down, cause I'm moving up. No time to get down, cause I'm moving up. Shake off the crabs in the bucket.